The Stanley Cup playoffs are underway, and it's been a thrilling ride so far. We have got three of our local experts to break down the biggest stories from around the league in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome to the Locked On NHL podcast, and thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show from Locked On Boston Bruins, Ian McLaren. And Ian, your team on the comeback trail here, series even at two apiece, and they did it in pretty dramatic fashion today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I mean, right before the puck dropped, uh, we found out that uh, Charlie McAvoy, who is arguably as important to the Bruins as any other player, uh, was placed in COVID-19 protocol. Uh, so he joined by Hampus Lindholm, who is already out of the lineup uh, with an upper body injury suffered early in the series, uh, calling on some reinforcements on the blue line, which isn't especially deep. And, uh, you know, once the Carolina Hurricanes took a one nothing lead, it really seemed as though it was going to go the way we, we, we expected, that, uh, you know, the, the Hurricanes would take advantage of these injuries, the lack of depth on the defense, and, and kind of run around the Bruins. But uh, Patrice Bergeron scored uh, late in the first to tie things up. The Hurricanes scored very early in the second again, and then we're like, here we go. Uh, but then uh, the Bruins scored four straight goals, including two on the power play, which has been an issue for this team as of late. And uh, they were able to pull off pull off the victory in front of a very uh, pumped-up home crowd, and uh, it's now a best two out of three. Yeah, and look, the, the the game was not without its controversies. Why don't you talk a little bit about what happened during the game? Yeah, there's uh, well, there was a couple really. There was a uh, Jake DeBrusque goal scored late in the second period on the power play. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes head coach Rod Brindamore challenged for goaltender interference. Uh, the the call on the ice was upheld it, it was a good goal 2-2 and of course if uh, you challenge and it's not successful you go back on the power play and 44 seconds into the third period it was Brad Marchand who scored uh, his first of two on the afternoon to give the Bruins a 3-2 lead that they would not uh, give up uh, so that was one area of controversy another was uh, not really controversy, but just kind of heightened tensions between uh, Brad Marchand and Carolina Hurricanes defenseman Tony D'Angelo. Uh, those guys got into it quite often. Uh, some words were exchanged. I think it was at the end of the first period, and uh, if you're a lip reader, you could see Marchand kind of pointing back to D'Angelo's somewhat checkered history as a member of the New York 
Rangers or a social media presence as well. Um, and those two just kept getting into it to the point where Brad Marchand scores the empty net goal to make it 5-2, and D'Angelo just literally throws his stick towards, uh, not at Marchand per se, but towards the puck, um, which should have warranted a misconduct, I would think. Might warrant a fine or, or some verbal warning at the very least. But um, those guys definitely not uh, fans of each other and uh, really, really getting into it uh, to the delight of the TD Garden crowd, for sure. How do you think this personal rivalry, for lack of a nicer way to put it, uh, is going to uh, manifest itself going forward? I mean, ideally for the Bruins, it will kind of get D'Angelo off his game, get the Hurricanes as a whole. They seemed a bit rattled towards the end of this game. D'Angelo, I mean, you can't argue that he's a very talented defenseman. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's not unheard of that he can make uh, some questionable dis- questionable decisions, both on and off the ice. So hopefully the Bruins can... Uh, stay in, stay in his head, stay in the Hurricanes' heads, and um, you know, keep things going in Carolina, where they were not successful at all in the first two games of the season or of the series, and dating back to the regular season. Uh, you know, Brad Marchand, he came in very cold. I think he had one empty net goal over the last. 14 games of the season or something like that. And um, as uh, or heading into Sunday night's slate of games, Marchand now leads the postseason with nine points. He had a five-point afternoon. Uh, he's now two ahead of Kale McCarr for the time being anyways. Uh, so he's coming alive at the right time. Um, the crowd and the team really rallied around Patrice Bergeron as well. He took a, a high stick to the eye or close to the eye near the end of the second period uh, that, yeah, was was dangerously close to his eye. And um, he was able to come back from the start of the third. And that, of course, just rallied the, rallied the troops as well. So uh, those main guys, Bergeron, Marchand, coming through and leading the way for the Bruins uh, here on, uh, on Sunday afternoon. Talk to me a little bit about Jeremy Swayman and what a difference he made since taking over in goal. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to blame games one and two on, on Linus Allmark, and certainly head coach Bruce Cassidy didn't go that far either. Uh, but there was kind of a lack of those quote-unquote timely saves. And uh, Jeremy Swayman, he came in with only three shots of playoff experience on him, uh, relieving Tuka Rask last year. Made his two uh, first starts, uh, allowed only four goals on 53 shots for a 9.25 save percentage in those two starts, games three and four. And uh, he made those timely saves that Bruce Cassidy was looking for, um, uh, thwarting a very talented Hurricanes offense, making some big saves on uh, the penalty kill, getting a lot of help from 
from guys in front of him. Uh, Derek Forbort has been a shot-blocking machine over the past couple games, and he's really stepped up for the Bruins' defense. Uh, so I think it's it's partly Swayman coming in with some composure. Uh, he's a very talented rookie. But I also think the Bruins recognized after games one and two that they needed to help their goaltender a lot more, no matter who it was. And they have, uh, yeah, done that to support Jeremy Swayman over the past couple games. And that's been a big, a big reason why they've won as well. You mentioned it's now a best of three series. Two of those three games will be in Carolina. What is the key for the Bruins going forward if they're going to continue to be successful in this series? Yeah, I think uh, the key will be to uh, – there's a couple of things. Ideally, you'd like to score first. I don't think they've scored first in any of the four games so far. So scoring first in game five, getting the crowd out of it as quickly as possible would be huge. And uh, special teams has really been a big key in this series as well. Carolina has the top-ranked power or penalty kill in the league. Uh, if the Bruins can stay out of the box – uh, limit Carolina's opportunities, and you know they've slowly been able to uh, break through against Carolina's penalty kill. That I think they have four power play goals in games three and four combined. Uh, so if they can continue to uh, play well five on five, which they did in Carolina in games one and two, uh, limit those power play opportunities for the Hurricanes, and hopefully either. Hampus Lindholm or Charlie McAvoy will be available at least for for game six. Um, Bruins will have to win at least one game on the road. Hopefully it's game five so they can try to finish things off uh, in game six back on home ice later this week. Ian, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find you on social media and where they could find the podcast? Absolutely. The podcast available uh, wherever you get podcasts. So whatever app you use, search up Locked On Boston Bruins. Uh, you can subscribe there. The podcast is on Twitter at Locked NHL Bruins. Same on Instagram. And people can find me at Ian C. McLaren. All right, Ian, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. No problem. Thanks so much, Gil. And today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and the rest of the of horse racing's Triple Crown. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast, and thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show a familiar face for Locked On NHL viewers and a familiar voice for Locked On NHL listeners, Adam Danker, the uh, host of Locked On Lightning. And uh, Adam, great to have you back. Well, like every time I come on here, Gil, I always I always think it's a special kind of uh, uh, occurrence when when the the co-host of a show that you're on uh, you you get to be a guest on it as well. I don't know how many other people could say that, uh, but yeah, feeling good after a big win. Um, we're doing this a couple of minutes after 
game four's conclusion, the Lightning even up the series uh, at home, going up back up to Toronto. Uh, you know what? Not not the cup, the losses that they had in this. Not really what you wanted to see out of this team. But listen, going back up to Toronto, even evened up, is probably the best scenario at this point. And, you know, one interesting thing, so many of the goals coming from the non-superstar players. Uh, two for Ross Colton. Uh, Corey Perry gets one. Uh, you know, Pat Maroon gets one. Uh, you know, some of these goals coming from some of the non-superstar players. Yeah, I, I think that's been – that's not something that's anything really surprising for fans of this team. And I think a lot of people – I mean, you know full well over the last – couple of playoff years that this is a team that's very deep they have a lot of guys that are very dynamic in their style of play so you know it's not you just don't see the same guys on a nightly basis the headmans the stamkoses the kucherovs uh you see a different slew of guys on any given night scoring any number of goals uh one name that you brought up there uh ross colton i i mean it's been very well documented since last year after scoring that go-ahead game-winning goal in game five at home because their second straight Stanley Cup. Uh, Ross has really just taken a, a step in just a I've never seen a player that really, you know, he was there wasn't a lot to really expect out of him uh, going into the playoffs last year, only played nine games during the regular season. And and some might think that, you know, a player as young as him in his rookie year after scoring a goal as big as that, you would think somebody would succumb to that kind of pressure of, you know, building off of that. Well, he dove headfirst right into that pool and he's had a fantastic season and he has really solidified himself as one of the future leaders of this team. Always good to see. So here we are four games in this coming in. I always thought this was going to be a barn burner of a series, very evenly matched. It's now a best of three, mm. two of those games. If it goes, the full three will be in Toronto. What is your biggest concern four games in about this team? I, I, I think really the biggest concern is what something I've, and we spoke about this before we hit the record button is consistency. Uh, this is, and, and it's hopefully this lightning team is aware at this point in time of what they need to do and how they need to approach the game. Uh, this, their, their consistency has been something that has really been, somewhat of a head scratcher this year at certain times you've seen them play like a two-time defending Stanley Cup champion and other times you've seen them playing like a team that is really playing for the first overall pick uh it's it's very strange so they they really like to take the Jekyll and Hyde identity uh to a whole nother level and, and really coming out and and I've said it on my show what the key is for this team and we saw it tonight perfectly in the first period is don't try and win the period. Try and win the first five minutes and try and win the, the, the next five minutes after that and after that. And we saw them go ahead and do that. And, and that resulted in a 3 nothing lead heading into the first intermission. And that's really something that the Lightning need to do. And when I, I really stress the word need, because when they go out there and they assert themselves, they are the best team in the league. But when they go out there and they play on their heels and they play as a reactionary team, that's where we see see games like which the games they lost in this series, a team that is just outmatched, outbattled, and the energy is just not there. Talk to me about Victor Hedman, his leadership. He was a plus four uh, in game four, tops on the team. What does he mean to this Tampa Bay Lightning team right now? 
Victor Hedman is, I, I think, one of those guys, you know, especially with the the era of the defensemen that we are currently witnessing right now in the NHL. You have the Kyle McCars, the Quinn Hughes, uh, the Roman Yossi's. Uh, the list goes on of defensemen that are able to munch up points in this league. And 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 I feel like sometimes people kind of overlook Victor Hedman just because of the things uh, of so many of the things that he is able to do on a nightly basis. It is very rare that we see that a guy who is able to put in the the, the the puck in the back of the net as many as he has this year that's 20 which is a career high for him this year as well as play as well as he does on the back check uh i a guy that big standing at 6'6 being able to skate back that way that, that agile is something that you really don't see often in this league uh and, and when he comes into the playoffs he just turns into another gear con Smythe trophy winner a couple of years ago in the bubble so he's shown that he can 100% lead this team uh, to a championship and he has really completely turned it on 100% this year after kind of struggling in the beginning of the year with, uh, you know, some issues with his knee, but it's good to see that he's kind of battled through that and he's starting to get it together at the right time. So right now, what, what do the lightning need to do to, to slow down the attack of the, Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, we all know the names, Nylander, Marner, Matthews, Tavares. How, you know, the consistency on defense hasn't always been there for the Lightning in this series. What do they need to do differently to shut down that powerful attack? Well, if you look at a lot of the goals in this series, uh, I would probably say more than 50% of them that were scored for Toronto are really off of just very bad giveaways, not only in the neutral zone, but at the blue line. Uh, it, it, this this Toronto team has done a very good job of really just sitting, waiting, and capitalizing on the mistakes that the Lightning have have had throughout this entire series. Uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where really all the Lightning could do is just minimize the mistakes, don't take a lot of dumb penalties. We saw a couple here in this game tonight where – Really, you, you get the intent, you love the energy, but just, you know, you just don't need it in that time. Um, and, and also really what the Lightning need to do other than just stop the Leafs at that point, because really, you know, if they could just cut down back on that stuff, really what they have to do is take care of uh, the the advantages they have throughout the game. Uh, eight power plays tonight, only scored on one of them. You know, I tweeted earlier in the game, you know, that's just plain unacceptable. That's not how you win championships. So. Really what the Lightning need to do is take the most of the the opportunities that are afforded to them throughout the game. And if they could do that, which is, you know, it, it's it's easier said than done, Gil, but I think it's very simple what they need to do. We saw it tonight. Nothing fancy. Just go out there and play your game. And if you could do that and not overcomplicate things, uh, we may not see as high scoring of a game as we saw tonight, but we'll definitely see the Lightning pull off a W. All right, Adam, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find you on social media and where they could find the podcast and when you'll be hosting this show. Well, you can find my personal Twitter page at Danky Dank. That's D-E-N-K-Y-D-A-N-K. You can give the show a follow at LO underscore lightning on Twitter. And you can give us a follow on Instagram at Lockdown underscore lightning on Instagram. Give us a follow on YouTube. Uh, the channel is blowing up slowly but surely. So make sure to go and follow us on there and then you could follow me alongside my co-host from lock on avalanche chris masilli on thursdays on the lock nhl show where we rank the teams throughout the playoffs who's the best who's primed to maybe go on a roll to win it all and who maybe be out the door sooner than we think 
All right. Adam, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for, thanks for having me, Gil. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacation. Throw them in your bags, and your kids' backpacks. Make sure everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. And it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order now. All Built Bars and Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? We're going crazy for puffs, and they come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? And they're only 140 calories. Most Built Bars contain just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar and 4 net carbs, but they pack 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Go to Built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast. So glad you could join us today. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. My pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Penguins, Hunter Hodes. And Hunter, uh, your team is one of the surprises of the playoffs. How many NHL fans knew who Louis Domingue was a week ago? I think people knew he was. I didn't think anyone thought they would win uh, two playoff games, let alone one, uh, with him in the net. Uh, they've won. They've taken down Igor Shosturkin with Louis Domingue in the net twice. Uh, if anyone had bets on that before the series, uh, just come forward right now. Yeah. Probably not going to be any. That's for sure. You know, but what what a story he has been. I, I know at times there's, I definitely hold my breath when the Rangers come into the offensive zone because you know they don't have Tristan Jari back there. I would be much more comfortable if he was starting or even Casey the Smith, but you know, he's been giving them a chance in these three games, the overtime, he, he made some big saves. Evgeny Malkin was able to win it. I know they didn't win game two. The Penguins still played well, but Domingue made some saves, kept them in it, especially after the first period, one to one, even going into the second, they were down three to two going into the third. Like yesterday, I know they coughed up a four to one lead, but they regrouped going into the third period. He made some really great saves when the game was tied, when the Rangers had not one, not two, but three power plays. I hope all Rangers fans can understand that when it comes to the officiating uh, garbage that I keep seeing on my timeline. Um, and the Penguins were able to take advantage of that. And Danton Heinen scores, make it five, four, a little bit of a softy, I think on Georgiev. Um, but you know, the big story was, you know, he, he did enough to get the Penguins the win. And if they can win again on Monday, they have a stranglehold on them. And there's the potential, you know, with a couple whispers out there with Tristan Jari that he might be back later on in this series. I poked around a little bit They're I think they're hoping for game six or something like that. So there, there's a shot right there. There you go. Let's talk about Louis Domingue. I mean, he's a journeyman goalie. He's been yep. on what five teams in the last five years. What is he doing so well? Where has this guy been all this time? I, I really I can't put my finger on it. I mean, he just his rebound control is definitely sporadic. I mean, he looks like he kind of swims in his net 
a little bit. And, you know, that's expected for someone who's a fringe NHL goaltender, mainly he's been an AHL goalie for the last couple of years. But again, Gil, he's just, he's giving them a shot, making, he's giving them a shot to win these games, making these timely saves. Again, when the Rangers had those three power plays in the third period, he didn't give an inch. I know the Penguins did a much better job um, killing off those penalties than they did in the previous two games, but you still need your goalie to make the saves. And if he doesn't make a save on any of those three opportunities, the Penguins are probably down the series right now, and they face a really big must-win on Monday to go to not go behind three to one. Instead, it's the other way around. The Rangers now face a must-win game in Pittsburgh on the road to make sure they don't go down three to one to a journeyman goaltender. Um, and you know, I, I definitely think he's playing confident right now. And you know, the fans were really behind him. You know, with the Lou chance. I mean, that's they've been doing all those kind of chants. What for the one the Steelers are in town with Heath Miller and Fryermuth and all this stuff. So that's all, all these are all the same people that go to those games. Um, but you know, the team is rallied around him. They played great defense in front of them. Those last nine minutes yesterday, peak Mike Sullivan hockey. He didn't really face any shots after Danton Heinen got the lead. And if the Penguins can play a similar structure, those last nine minutes on um for a full 60-minute effort or close to it on Monday. You know they, they can 100% take this series and go up three games to one and really put a stranglehold on, on a Rangers team that ha- doesn't have a lot of playoff experience, to say the least. So, um, I you know I, I'm I, I can't be what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, I honestly you know he's definitely given up some bad goals, but you know I'm really not too mad about that right now because they're up two games to one in the series. I never thought that was going to be the case, even when Casey DeSmith was starting. I just I really had no expectations. I picked them to lose this series. You know, I'm still maybe kind of sticking with that to maybe go against, you know, I'm, just, I'm very superstitious, but it's it's been a very pleasant surprise with how this has gone. You know, everyone talks about your uh, Crosbys and your Malkins and your Latangs, but game three, two goals for Jeff Carter, two goals and an assist for Evan Rodriguez, three assists for Mike Matheson. Some of these depth guys are really getting the job done. Absolutely. And, you know, Evan Rodriguez, we, we saw a glimpse of him coming back a little bit. Game 82 against the Blue Jackets gets uh, a goal, another, some really good rips to the net. And this one, you saw that beautiful shot on display. Shesterkin really had no chance on those goals. Um, when he is playing at that level, I think he is probably the best team in any any of these teams' bottom sixes. I, I will die on the hill, especially with what we saw in the first half of the regular season. Jeff Carter, I know he did have a good game, though he has been struggling a lot here down the stretch. He's just, you know, he's a lot older now. His underlying numbers have tanked. But if you are going to get contributions from him on the score sheet, that's big. You know, this team, I said this on my podcast, you cannot be a one-line team and win in the playoffs. It was only the Gensel-Crosby-Russ line that was burying you. You need other players to step up. Heck, you said Brock McGinn. He gets his first goal of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, those are three players right there. And I'll throw Dan Hunden in, who I already said he got the game winner. Four players right there that had goose eggs for the first two games of the season finally making their mark. If that can continue and the Penguins get, you know, decent goaltending and they can also potentially beat Shesterkin and maybe, I, don't, I wouldn't say get inside his head, but have him play at not as good as he did during the regular season, the Penguins can win this series. You know, it's it's there for the taking Right now, it's all a matter of, you know, are they going to go out there and get it and, you know, put this uh, a young Rangers team on the ropes going back to Madison Square Garden? 
You talked a little bit about the Penguins' defense, you know, slowing down a fast, explosive team like the Rangers. Mm. What have they done so well to keep guys like Kreider and Strom and Zabinijad off the board? I think, honestly, you know, the Penguins, they've, they've had the puck, I think, most of the time. I mean, again, like those last nine minutes yesterday, the Rangers really did not have any sustained zone time. You know, they pulled their goalie with 224 left, drew up a play. 10 seconds later, empty net goal. The Penguins were not getting any quarter. That is peak Mike Sullivan Penguins hockey. It's stuff we saw in 2016, stuff we saw in 2017. That is the kind of blueprint that they need to play with when they get a lead. I don't need to see them turtle and all this other stuff, you know, but they're also getting the puck below the red line behind the net and they're cycling and they're relentlessly forechecking and they're getting the puck back to the point and they're getting traffic in front of Shesterkin and that's really messing up the Rangers rhythm. You know, New York, they had a lot of odd man opportunities against this team in the regular season. That was one of my big things going into the series. They, they cannot trade chances like that. They can't get hurt in the transition game because that's where the Rangers really hurt their opposition. Through three games, the Penguins, I think, have done a really nice job of that. They've slowed down Mika Zibanejad, which is definitely, I think, surprising. He's obviously one of their best players. Kreider is going to get his goals. He's been, I think, playing all right. Panarin got his first. You're not going to keep a guy like that off the score sheet for long. Adam Fox has a goal. But, you know, there are, there are other players. Some of these other players... No, they, they've been really able to, you know, midgetate them the best they can. And, you know, it's just, it's all a matter of, you know, can the Penguins keep up this style of play as the theories has gone on? I think, you know, if they're able to get Brian Dumoulin back, you know, that's going to be a big boost because, you know, for as good as Mike Matheson has been this year, and I know he had three assists in that game on Saturday, um, he doesn't work on the top pairing with Crystal Tang. They're, they're too chaotic together, too similar like players tanger needs brian dumoulin on that pairing you know to clean up if he ever makes a mistake or something like that or you know just because he's a good stay at home shutdown defenseman matheson is not that he wants to buck all the time it's the reason why he's been so good on a second or third pairing role and the penguins really have no other option right now because they're not going to break up any of the other pairings so you know they need brian dumoulin back if they really want to keep up this momentum and continue to stifle the Rangers attack outside of, you know, like a period or two during these games. Hunter, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah. So you can find the lockdown penguins podcast, um, wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, um, YouTube, you can follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes, the show's Twitter, LO underscore penguins. And you know, it's going to be exciting. Second half of the series here. You know, it's, it's been a lot of fun outside, honestly, of the officiating storyline, which has really been one-sided. I think it's been a lot of fun to watch these two teams go at it because there's so much talent on both sides. These two teams haven't played in the playoffs in six years. Um, it's a series I was really looking forward to, and it's, it's definitely delivered so far. Living up to the hype for a change. So that's a good thing. Hunter Hodes, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. I want to thank my guests, Ian McLaren of Locked On Boston Bruins, Adam Danker of Locked On Lightning, and Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins. Make sure you stick with Locked On NHL throughout the week for all the biggest stories from around the National Hockey League during these Stanley Cup playoffs. Thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen. Now for your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. 
That's going to do it for us today. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. I'm Gil Martin. Thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL Podcast.